0: Hey there, Omaha. Welcome into another episode of Restaurant Hoppin'. Today, I'm very excited to kind of introduce a a new food topic item to the podcast. I don't think I've ever talked ice cream before. We (laughs) get a chance to talk ice cream this morning. I am blessed to have Brian Langbin and Katie Arendt-Chapman, the co-owners of Coneflower Creamery. Guys, welcome to the show. Thanks for
1: having us. Thanks
0: for having us. We're really excited to be here. Awesome. I'm so happy. So, I... To introduce Comb flower to anyone who's not familiar, I-, I want to give just a quick story. If you'll indulge me, allow me to be your hype man. Yep. <laughs> I, because I fir- like I firmly remember my first trip to Comb Flower. Like it sticks out in my head. It was a couple of years ago, and my wife and I we'd been hearing about Comb flower for some time. But every time we would try to go, every time we drive by in Blackstone, there'd be a line like out the door. So we were intimidated, and we were like, ah, you know, we like we just we just didn't do it. So one, one night we went to Butterfish, and we, like, feasted on sushi. Like, we were so full, basically rolling ourselves back out to the car. But we walked by Flour and there was only, like, eight people in line or something. So still a line, but it was like, <laughs> this is our chance. We're going to take it. And I remember we weren't hungry at all, and we just got a dish of cookies and cream ice cream. Like, simple ice cream. Mm-hmm. It was so just delicious like I still remember that moment it was so creamy and rich like it had the perfect amount of stretchiness like the cookies weren't like mushy or anything they were still nice and firm it was awesome well so, thank you <laughs> so, now, so now that I've talked to you guys up so much I guess I, I just from a high level I would like to hear it from you guys what do you think makes cone flour different from other ice cream parlors what sets it apart that's a great question I think um
2: well what definitely we put a lot of love into everything that we do um you know we both have culinary backgrounds so mm-hmm. we wanted to have a product that you know we're using literally the best ingredients we can find and if they're local, yes, that's great. If they are made by us in the kitchen, uh, you know, that's great as well. So when we're mixing things into the ice cream, um, we're actually making everything in-house. Uh, and that's funny, the cookies and cream is the one thing it's we one. don't make. But, um, it is pretty amazing, that one. Uh,
1: that's a big seller. Yeah, for sure. And I think just, you know, creating flavors that, we're not just mashing flavors together, right? Mm -hmm. So we're trying to create, you know, flavors that that go well and, and, you know, create like real culinary experiences as opposed to just sugar bombs.
0: And trust me, we're going to get into that. I (laughs) want to get into the R&D process of of flavor making. But but first I want to get back to something that that you just mentioned, Brian, is that you guys both have culinary backgrounds. You are chefs. You've worked as executive chefs, as pastry chefs at, at great restaurants, both in Omaha and across the country. How uncommon is that to find that in an ice cream parlor, parlor? To find like that level of culinary experience. Well, I think it's definitely becoming more pop, more common
2: um, as uh, the knowledge and skills get out there, and people are, you know, diving more into the culinary aspect of of everything that that you see out there. But I think at the time we were, you know, doing something that was pretty unique. Uh definitely uh, for just approaching ice cream from a chef's perspective, I think, is what we always try to do. And, and
1: I mean, there are some leaders, you know, the salt and straws or the, you know, Jenny's ice cream is a big one, too. That they, they have kind of that same ethos. But um, we really felt like what we were doing was pretty unique. So
0: Another thing that makes Coneflower very unique, and you guys really lean into this, is the concept of farm to cone, you call it. And that, you you know, like you mentioned, Brian, you guys are using local ingredients, local products as much as you can. And, And it's really cool because on your website, you can go and you can see, hey, here's where we get our milk. Here's where we get our coffee beans. Here's where we get, you know, this certain fruit. Here's where we get our honey. I think just that level of transparency is really cool. And there's actually a quote on the website that says, to a chef, fresh, pure ingredients are inspiration points, They beckon and call at ideas deep in a chef's mind. I love that. Can you maybe expound on that idea a little bit more and how it kind of defines and drives what you guys do? For sure. I mean, I know for me, like, uh,
2: just thinking of like an ingredient can help build our menu or help build the ice cream, you know? So I have like a personal obsession with like black raspberries and, uh, You know, being able to find them, uh, they're almost like magical to me. You know, like uh, you find them in the farmer's market for like two weeks in the summer. Uh, You really never find them in the grocery store uh, because they're so delicate and you just don't, they're just not mass produced. So like that ingredient, for example, is like, if we can get our hands on it, we're going to go to town. We're going to make it with a crumble. We're going to make an ice cream, a sorbet. Um, But it really, the ingredient is like uh, what what's pushing us to, like, share that with everyone and kind of, hey, this is really cool. This flavor is amazing. You're not going to have this anywhere, uh, and you can get it here. Um.
1: And it's so easy to create the flavor. I mean, you almost feel like a fraud when you create a great flavor because it's really – it's just the ingredients. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's – when you're starting with great ingredients, it's so much easier to to create something awesome. So
0: Now, this this is something that I feel like I hear commonly from – savory chefs like for just as an example i had uh nick Strawhecker, the executive chef from dante on a couple months ago and he was talking about he will never buy local tomatoes from nebraska in in january he's like they're just it's a bad product (laughs) Mm -hmm. you will not see tomatoes on dante's menu in january because it's it's just not good and you guys kind of embrace that similar ethos in that you're going to have seasonal flavors and there are going to be times where certain products fit into the menu And sometimes they don't. Do you see kind of the ice cream world trending more towards that now? Because I feel like, you know, just like the classic ice cream parlor is just, you know, you just just have all the toppings and ingredients there there all the time. A lot of stuff is pre-made. But you guys are obviously doing something different. Do you think that's a trend or is that something unique? Is it something you're hoping to start?
1: I think it's something, yeah, I mean... It's certainly unique. I mean, we have strawberry ice cream for three weeks out of the year. And mo- I mean, it's. <laughs>
2: that's unheard of. That's in a most hard shops,
1: one yeah. to, to not have in your shop all the time. People want it. Um, and when we do have it, it goes absolutely bananas. So.
0: And you guys you know, pick those tough. yourselves, right? We do pick. <laughs> yes, I've we, seen that story. The, yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So making that decision to say, no, we're only going to use local strawberries and they're only going to be delicious for, you know, Three weeks out of the year, that's when we have strawberry ice cream. That was It's a tough call, but but I think it's, kind of, again, it's just what makes us unique, I hope. so. Right. Mm-hmm. It's,
2: it's like, this is the best strawberry that we could possibly find, and this is the only time we can get it, yeah. and that's when the ice cream is going to be made, and it's going to show when you taste that bite. And it's like, this is the best strawberry ice cream I've ever had, um, and that's yeah. kind of what we're going for across the board. You know, we definitely let the seasons kind of write the menu. It's kind of how we always describe it. Um, I think it is more of a trend, but we, you know, we definitely try to balance um, having attainable or uh, those classic flavors, you know, like vanilla is always in our case and right. chocolate, but we'll definitely balance that with hey, we've got a pawpaw ice cream in the summer or these local apples in the fall or uh, you know, peppermint and yeah, so yeah, it, it's constantly changing you know well yeah all,
1: the peppermint the mint chip is another one where uh-huh. we only do it in the summer because that's when we can get the fresh mint and you know people yeah it's it right
2: it's now. amazing you know that's one of the things like we make our mint ice cream with fresh local mint and like katie said we only make it in the summer when it's available and people love it but there's some that have never had like actual mint and they're like what did you put in here you know this is so good (laughs) you know is there yeah and it's like no this is just real mint like it's not just extra we're sharing that with you it's it's so cool it's so fun yeah
0: Uh, but that's a great flavor so i imagine that on some level there's some frustration because you know you wish i'm sure that you could offer strawberry ice cream all year and you could deliver that product and i'm sure some people are disappointed when they come in they're like hey i'd love some strawberry and you're just like i'm sorry it's not available but when you have those moments when someone tastes like that mint ice cream for the first time and they kind of have like that aha realization, does that make like <laughs> the frustration of, you know the the seasonality worth it?
1: yeah, it's so it's just always so exciting at the shop because there's always we're always looking forward to the next thing or the next thing is here. and you know, there's there's so much so many seasonal products um, that we get to work with. so and then I think having, like you know, the butter brickle, the cookies and cream, making sure that those are are super um, consistent. You know, I think is kind of what makes you know people understand that that we have a consistency. But then also, you know, these products aren't going to be always available. So,
2: yeah, and I, I'm always like, when I'm out there, if if people are like angry, I'm always like. <laughs> you know, I try to reassure them it's coming, you know, it doesn't happen much, but I just, so like, if they're angry, they're passionate and that means they really love it. And that's a good thing, you know? And so if the demand is, you know, we can't get them, you know, local strawberries, then, then we make it when we can, you Mm -hmm. know? Uh, and you know, we're going to hopefully, uh, try to get our hands on more and more as we, as we grow. But, uh, and there it's are years,
1: you know, I mean, like, so Brian truly does have a black raspberry obsession, <laughs> and I think it was two years ago, the hailstorm wiped everything out. Um,
2: and those Japanese beetles? The Japanese beetles, I mean, beetle, they, I mean we've there's had so many,
1: <laughs> but, you know, being able to say, you know, so people are coming into the shop, and they're expecting the black raspberry, because they had it last year, and you have to tell them no, but then you can also tell them, but it's the same hailstorm that, you know, dented right. your car, there's, there's like this association a close association with the people and and the products that they're eating in the ice cream
2: yeah and we're really close to the 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 farmers too that are that are bringing us these products and they're telling us these things you know and like oh I was out there battling the the beetles you know I don't know what we're gonna you know so we're really like a part of the process and it's it's pretty exciting um following you know what what they're able to grow and
0: uh then Turning it around and, and making our creations with them. So
2: mm-hmm.
0: now you guys have mentioned that there are staple flavors that are always on the menu. So if somebody comes in and they they want vanilla, they want cookies and cream, they want butter brickle, that stuff's always going to be there. So there, there's always going to be that consistency. But there is also kind of the rotating menu where there is always going to be something something new and something exciting. And you guys have had more than two hundred flavors grace the menu at Coneflower Creamery. That's a lot of ice cream. Like, that's a lot of coming up with new ideas, Mm -hmm. and I can't even imagine what that's – like, how do you come up with that many flavors? Like, I I can't even – if I sat down and tried to write down, like, 50 ice cream flavors, I don't know if I could do that, much less come up with four times that many. (laughs) Right.
1: uh, Oh, man. I mean, they they come from – well, Brian and I get to work together on it too, so there's a collaborative effect, which I think is really important. And really inspiring. And then, I mean, I don't—they come from everywhere. You know, we might want to take a dessert like, or you know, French silk pie, and then take those, take that apart, and start with a sweet cream base and pie crust and chocolate mousse, and you know, just so maybe it's something Capture traditional. The yeah,
2: in that scoop. And you then, know. So,
1: yeah, sometimes it's. Just two flavors that we think will go really great together. Or, you know, I mean, there's so many different. It usually starts for like, what
2: do I want to eat? You know, Katie, yeah. I want to eat this. Yeah. You know, like, or it starts with, like, um, you know, I was out of town and I had this dessert, nothing related to ice cream, but these flavor combinations went so good together. Yeah. What if we did this? You know, and um, being able to draw, and especially since, you know, Katie's a pastry chef, you know, and it's like, drawing on these past experiences as well and then you know also looking forward is uh, a big part of the process you know like because I know if I go to Katie like I'm thinking about you know saffron with whatever and she's gonna be like well that would pair great with this because I know that I worked in it you know I did a creme brulee with this and this will be the ultimate combination or you know and, and 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 she's able to, to make it happen, you know, and, and get those flavors out. And it, yeah,
0: it's, it's fun. So I'm sure this varies from flavor to flavor based on, you know, what you're creating, but kind of what's the R and D process like, like how from idea conception to bringing it to the other person to testing it X amount of times, like what, what's the process between, okay, I, I've had a piece of French silk pie. I think that would be great in an ice cream. How do we, you know, get from that point to actually releasing it to the public?
1: Man, some of right. them take a really long time. And mm-hmm. some of them, you know, you just, you kind of get it on the first time. Or but stumble, into stumble into it. Stumble into it, yeah. We do, sport, so we start with really small test batches. And, you know, there's one thing to make a dessert. But then there's, it's a, a different story to make sure that it freezes well mm-hmm. and that it has a great mouthfeel when you're eating it at 5 degrees, mm-hmm. right? So sometimes we we land on something but then it's like okay, well how do we make sure that that this has the correct mouthfeel once we once we actually put it in the case. So there's a couple, I mean,
2: well like okay, example, maybe one time I came to Katie and I was like I had I went to this like little festival in a small town and it was like church basement kind of potluck, you know. And I had a piece of pie, and it was a sour cream pear pie. And oh. I had never had this before. I had never even heard of it, you know. And so maybe uh, I was sheltered when I was growing up. But I came back, and I was like, Katie, hey, this was the greatest. Th- it changed my life, this pie. It was, like, so simple. I was like, we have got to try to do this. And, you know, so then just with that, it's like, okay, the pears, you know, you know, we started with, like, the spiced pear swirl, and then, you know, we were able to get some from a local farm, uh, Swallow's Nest, I believe. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then we did, like, the little streusel crumble. And then, well, what about, you know, and, and it just kind of came together. Mm-hmm. And the sour cream, ice cream. And it, it just like, I am eating that pie every time I taste that ice cream. And it was just, to me, that was that's the most exciting thing. Um, that's just a random example. Um, you know, normally, it... I don't know. Katie's pretty awesome about like once we lock in on a flavor that we're looking for, um, getting it to come out, get it to pop.
1: um, Yeah, once uh, we we it, can we have ideas that will roll around for a really long time, and so we kind of we're tasting it in it. our head yeah. almost. Yes, you yes. Know? We're ta-
2: I was just gonna say we taste yeah. it in our head already, and then when it's there, it's like,
1: like okay, that's it, it. that's what I was looking that's for. It. you know,
2: Definitely. Um, yeah. One of our most popular flavors of all time is our tart cherry crumble. Um, and that actually started out as, <laughs> it was like the Husker football season had just started. We're like, we need, we need a Nebraska flavor. We need, um, scarlet and cream, you know, so yeah, came over with a scarlet and cream. Nice. And it was just basically like vanilla. It was just was sweet it, cream. Was based. it sweet cream? And then it just swirled with like a cherry sauce and we're like, Okay, cool. This would be awesome. And then I don't know. N- neither of us <laughs> we, were like very impressed with. It. We, we were like, "Why are we making this? It's lame. just not that great." <laughs> and, like, um, and so then we kind of went back to the drawing board. Like, how can we make that better? And then like, you know, Katie's like, well, "What if we add like this crumble and like an oat crumble to give it more texture and more interest?" And I was like, "Oh yeah, that's great." And then you know, what what if we didn't just have the sauce? You know, she left the cherries chunky. Uh, Roast
1: them to get good. All concentrate good all the flavors.
2: And then, like, you know, then we 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 finished that. And it was like, that's one of the few flavors. Well, I remember, I vividly remember tasting it and, like, jumping up and down with, like, excitement. Like, that's it. We nailed it. You know, it was just like, right, I, I knew right away. It was like, this is going to be great. Um And so that that one, I feel like we kind of... <laughs> I, we can't just say, well, we came up with a tart cherry by, by doing it. It, kind of, right. it was a very long process. It's an evolution. We, yeah. yeah, very much so. Yeah, definitely.
0: Uh, Katie, I want to return to something that you said earlier where you talked about how you're not just going to mash flavors together. You're going to find something that's actually cohesive. And I actually went back and I found a quote um, that you had in the Omaha World Herald a couple of years ago where you said, we don't want to be what, weird and creative for the sake of being weird and creative we want flavors you haven't tasted before that really do taste good. And I think ice cream is one of those things, especially in recent years, that different companies and different ice cream shops have just kind of started going crazy to try and get attention. Mm -hmm. And they're mixing, I mean, I've seen ice cream with cereals in it, corn in the cob, ghost peppers, potato chips, like sriracha ice cream, like just... Things that do not taste good, (laughs) but they they look interesting when you see them on Instagram and they catch people's eyes. Mac and cheese. Oh, my my gosh. I don't know. Yeah, Yeah, that does not sound (laughs) appetizing at all, but how do you guys find that balance between embracing new ideas and trying new concepts but staying true to the actual concept of ice cream and not just doing wild stuff for the sake of being wild?
1: I usually start by asking myself will I crave this later? Like is this something that people will want to come back for or is this a novelty that they'll maybe talk about to their friends once and it's done? Mm -hmm. So that's kind of my first benchmark. Um, What about you? I don't know.
2: I mean, yeah, we definitely want to – I guess in my mind I'm always thinking the same thing. Do I want to eat this? Do I – and and keeping it on the sweeter side, so even when we do things that are more savory in nature, they could very easily be turned into a dessert, or you know, like so we do a sweet corn ice cream. But I think there's elements of that that come out, and the flavors that that are like very natural, you know, the sweetness of the corn and the flavor, and you know, if I swirl a caramel through this, like yes, this is amazing. I would I would love to eat this, um, and and just trying to avoid like you know oysters or you know like <laughs> right. something like that that's very you know has a very like umami like uh, savory uh profile um I'm trying to think of i mean we really never done get any, too savory yeah, yeah. Um, we've never done
1: anything with bacon even or you know right like which that. i think you know there bacon. definitely
2: is room for for bacon there's only good bacon <laughs> yeah it. so uh you know that could be on the in the future but um for the most part, yeah, I I agree. I think it's we try to stick with what am I going to crave when I'm done with the savory thing, um, and and let that go, the guide us.
0: Yeah. Mm-hmm. Another cool thing that you guys have done is you've done several mashups with, or maybe collaborations is a better way to put this, with local restaurants where. Just as a few examples, I know you guys had a, a chocolate chip pancake ice cream with um, pancakes from Lisa's Radial Cafe. I believe you've done a baklava ice cream with, uh, in a partnership with Fetas. H- how do those, like, partnerships and ideas emerge?
1: Again, it's just food we like to eat. I yeah. think it's <laughs> gonna, sort of what it comes out. It's, you know, if there's something that we know someone does really well, like, there's no point in us making baklava. It's right down the street. And we love fetas, and we love supporting and they make them. It,
2: we know they make it from yeah. scratch, and we know it's right. traditional, and it's amazing. Yeah. And it's like we're not re- reinventing the wheel. We're you know, and then in, in that sense, we can promote them. You know, hey guys, they make this over there. Go get it; it's amazing. Right. Um, And it, it, I think those, you know, Lisa's is another great example. It's like their pancakes. When when I go there, I love their pancakes. I get them every time. You know, they're huge, they're, they're fluffy, they're yeah. just awesome. And I'm like people, you know, especially with breakfast foods, like I know whenever we do that one, they, they love breakfast. And if we can mix it into an ice cream, even better, you know, Um yep. trying to think of some other ones, you know, we, we've always done the archetype coffee just you know, because again, we know that the, their process and what they do, they're passionate about ice or uh, coffee, like, like we are with ice cream and that's uh, just a natural fit. Um, so yeah, we definitely seek out those kind of, uh, Local businesses that are
1: Align doing amazing that, yeah.
2: things and and passionate about what they're doing, you know, d- developing great products there on their own right.
0: Yeah. And now, other than we've mentioned a couple flavors already that you guys have come up with and kind of the process of how you've developed them, but are there any other ones that kind of stick out in your head as personal favorites? And maybe not like your favorite one to eat, but maybe like your favorite story of how one was developed or one that you put on the menu and you're like, ah, I don't really know about this one. And then it just sells like gangbusters. Are, are there any particular flavors that come to mind?
2: Mm. That is a great question.
1: I would say for me, it's, we do a pineapple icebox ice cream. Yes. Pineapple yes. icebox dessert. And that was another one of those kind of church basement-y. You know, I love the church basement reference because there's so many great weird... Casserole things that come out <laughs> of that comforting yeah. foods, yes, you know, yes, yeah, yes. that
2: are just, yeah,
1: just oh man. So yeah, I mean, the pineapple icebox, we were excited about it, and and we thought it would be, you know, popular. Mm-hmm. Um, and it really, I mean, people just really connected with it. I think it's kind of that like Midwestern. Mm-hmm. We all understand kind of where this is coming from, and
2: yeah, and you know, I know a, my grandma had a recipe that was. It, inspiring too it was like and you know it'd only be made during the summer right because that's the idea behind the icebox dessert is you know it's something that you set in the refrigerator it chills you don't need to turn the oven on right so in 90 degrees out I'm going to make this um, pop it in the fridge and we can eat it later and she would only make this certain icebox dessert when one of my uncles came into town and everybody's like, well, what about us? We all love it. You know, we love it too. Not only when he comes into town. Um, and so, yeah, it's, it definitely, for me, you know, evokes like a lot of nostalgia and memories and, um, and that's I That's what we really
1: try to play on the most is nostalgia. Part I mean, of it, that flavor. Yeah, it's so appeal,
2: Definitely.
0: Th- there's so many that you kind of forget, like in the process, like oh man yeah you just um, you, there's they're all just hanging out there it's hard to reach out and grab just one right we, did, we
1: had to start right. a list because we're, we're going to forget everything we've done
0: so. right but that is a good one um so uh we've done a lot of, of talking about the current state of coneflower but i kind of want to get back to the origin story and and get to how it all started i know you guys met while working at 801 chop house but i want to go back even a little bit further before you two linked up. And we're going to start with you, Brian. Okay. You actually got a business degree and started an accounting career before you decided you were going to get into the hospitality industry. And then you went to the Cooking and Hospitality Institute of Chicago. Pretty wild career change. What what like made you make that decision? How did you decide that you wanted to get into food?
2: Well, um, I, I think I had always had a passion for it. But when I was young, I just, I just didn't realize it as that makes sense. Uh, you know, I, like a lot of people, I went to school and then college. Cause that's what, that's what you did after high school. And, you know, you'll figure it out along the way. Um, so yeah, went into business. Cause I'm like, I can do a lot with this, even if I don't know what I want to do, uh, and was good at accounting. So I said, well, I'll just stick with this, see where it takes me. And, um, actually did taxes for a couple of years, but just, I just felt like it was kind of soul draining and just not what I wanted to do. And, you know, even I was good at it, but at the end of the day, it was like, I don't care about this to, to do it every day, the rest of my life. And, um, they felt the same way. So when they said, (laughs) you know, uh, there was an opportunity where I was let go and they were, I was like at a crossroads. I'm like, I can go do this again, and put in minimal effort, and, and I hate my life, but, or I can just start over, and that's what I did, I decided to go a whole nother direction, and kind of follow what I felt like I was passionate about, um, which was food, and creating, and uh, everything that goes into it, you know, I, when I was little, I would I loved reading the description of the cereal like as I'm eating. Like sounds really stupid but <laughs>
0: no not at all not like, at all. I
2: loved that, you know, just describing oh the the sun-raised wheat and we put it into the you know and I was like I don't know there is something appealing to the to that uh almost magical side of food, you know. And I grew up you know, eating amazing food. My mom and dad cooked all all the time. But it was, uh, how do I say, Midwest, you know, German background. Uh, it was meat and potatoes. And uh, so the idea of growing up, you know, going out to a restaurant was just like, this is amazing. People actually do this for a living. And they're creating all this food that I've never seen, I've never heard of. It was just a very exciting world to me that um, as I Found that I had an opportunity. I, I just was very drawn to that and wanted to push myself and explore new ideas and flavors. And um, so, yeah, that's when I decided to go to culinary school. I, I like I said, it was a big change, so uh, I wanted to kind of get out of Omaha and just start fresh um, somewhere different um, and start from the bottom. And I knew I had to like kind of dig in and um, have a different mindset. Uh, I was going to do whatever it took to to make this part work. So,
0: now I know that you had after culinary school, you had some dessert experiences in Chicago, including working at a dessert nightclub <laughs> called Sugar, which I'm sure that is just a story in in and it, of itself. It is. Yeah, <laughs> I, I don't even. Yes, I don't uh, even know what that means. I tried to research this thing, <laughs> and
2: uh, it was insane. It was crazy. Well, so. When I was in school, I was like, okay, I'm in Chicago. The reason I went there was it's, you know, was very well known to be a, a up and coming at the time, you know, restaurant city. Um, you had amazing restaurants everywhere. Um, and I was like, I'm just going to immerse myself into this, this culture. Um, and I was reading a Bon Appetit magazine, I think. And it's like, oh, this is amazing. This is, this place is called Sugar. It's in Chicago. Um I really am drawn to this, like the artistic side of and and the sweet side of desserts. And and I'm just going to go there and see what they got going on. So I literally walked there one afternoon, uh, knocked on the door. They weren't open. The chef came in or came and opened the door. And she's like, Yeah, kind of like, what do you want? You know, I was like, "Uh, I'm in culinary school and I would love to see if you guys have any opportunities, blah, blah, blah. And she was like, Well, somebody just quit, I need an assistant, why don't you come in next week? And I was like, yes, score, jackpot. So that's how I kind of got my foot in the door. Um, And I didn't really realize what I was getting into at the time. I was like, oh, yeah, dessert place, whatever. Um, But she was named uh, pastry chef of the year, that year, 2005. Christine Uh, McCabe. Yep, yep. So extremely talented, very, you know, at the time, very, like, pushing the edges of, like, what is dessert so at this place called sugar it was uh a dessert nightclub it basically of fantastically decorated like over the top Willy Wonka like I can't even describe it you have, <laughs> <laughs> uh, bright colors but it was like dark and like uh these amazing like, booths um and, and anyway every every plate was dessert there was no food it was just at the time it was like. This is crazy. You go in, you sit down and you order dessert and then they had, you know, an uh, interesting cocktail menu to go along with it. But so I was like in heaven. I was blown away. Um but uh through that experience I was her uh her assistant and she had come from Charlie Trotter's which very famous in Chicago um a lot of, you know, people that worked under him went on to do amazing. Yeah, thank you. Yeah. And so she was one of his um that came out of that and very disciplined, very, uh, French style, like, um, no slouching, no, you know, proper technique. It was very like tightly run and, and, uh, old school. Yeah. Old school. I was scared to death most of the time, but <laughs> I learned, you know, more there than I would have learned anywhere else. Um, and we actually made, oh, about 15 different ice creams at a time. From scratch, and they were all like crazy, like balsamic, and like you know all this stuff. I was like, "What is going on here?" Um, Key kefir lime, and and just really opened my eyes to like, oh, you can do anything uh, with ice cream, especially. Um, But yeah, so that's kind of describes that. And yeah, we we were it was a small kitchen in the basement, uh, just the two of us. Sometimes there'd be three on the weekends, and we would just crank out desserts. And it was yeah
0: very popular at the time. It was uh, kind of the place to be for a while. Mm-hmm. So. Now, I, I don't want to move through your career too quickly, but I do want to get to Katie as well. But we have, we have to get to what brought you back to Omaha. You, you came back to Omaha, and then you worked at a couple of jobs and catering jobs before you joined up at 801 Chop House, where in just three years, you became the executive <laughs> chef, which is a very big deal. Like, how, how did you – how did you kind of find that path from working at a dessert nightclub and being fascinated with ice cream to becoming the executive chef at like this very upscale savory restaurant? Right. No, it's a very uncommon
2: path. for sure. (laughs) Well, and so to back up, I, I started dating my, my wife right before I went to Chicago, which is really interesting timing. But (laughs) so, Hey, we're together. And then I moved away. Um, so I came back, For her, um, and then in the process, you know, I got, uh, I had worked at a catering place called Attitude on Food, you might have heard it, they're Mm -hmm. still going strong, Um, and I met uh, a sous chef there named Zev Rogers, who eventually went on to be the sous chef at 801, and when I had an opportunity, I just called him out of the blue, and he was like, hey, our pastry chef just uh, quit, why don't you come down? (laughs) So I'm like, perfect, I need a job. Uh, so I walked into the door with, you know, my pastry experience and and took over as the pastry chef at 801. Um, and then just in that time, you know, they knew I had a culinary degree. So I was able to do savory, but my passion was desserts. But, you know, they were finding ways for me to, hey, will you do this? Will you help out over here? Um, and then through, you know, this guy left. This guy got fired. Um, hey, we need help over here. Before I knew it, I was sous chef, you and then slowly just get pulled over. More and and more then more. I was running the whole place. Yeah. So then uh, took over
0: as executive, and uh, yeah. And that is I need. Then I needed a pastry chef. Yes, that's that's <laughs> when you met Katie. And Katie. Now we transition to you. From my understanding, your your background is more in pastries and baking, um, not so much the savory side of things. Can you kind of tell me what got you into baking? How'd you get interested in it?
1: Yeah, I didn't grow up super interested in it. Kind of like Brian, I loved to eat and I did love food, but um, I started getting into the idea of those crazy, like, the fondant cakes where they'd Mm -hmm. make, like, a life-size motorcycle or, you know. And this was kind of the time when chefs were sexy. It was, like, Mm -hmm. 2008, 2009, Food Network having its heyday. And I really didn't know what I wanted to do with my life. I had dabbled a little bit with art and art history at UNO, and I just kind of made the decision to, to... switch to Metro and once I got there I really kind of I mean I've never actually pursued the cake route um, but that's just kind of where I fell in love with food and with pastry and that was kind of the impetus for for everything so you know Metro is a huge part of my my early career I guess you could say um, and then you know I worked at a handful of restaurants in Omaha. Um, I did, I started at Live Voltaire with with Cedric, and then I did, um, you know, Vivace and M's Pub with Tina Tweedy, and, and that was when I then headed over to 801 and met Brian. We worked together for about a year, but then I did decide, hey, I'm young. I want to get out of Omaha for a while. I felt like I needed to work in a Bigger pastry market. She had
2: had enough of I'd me. I had enough <laughs> <of it. laughs> I needed
1: a break. No, uh, so, yeah, so I kind of started looking around. I said, you know, hey, where do I want to go? And at first I was going to go to New York City, and then I had a friend tell me, you know, if you head out to the Bay Area, you head out to Napa Valley, you can do the country when you want, and you can do the city when you want. You can just head to San Francisco when you feel like it. So that was kind of... That was the seller for me. I I thought, you know, I'm going to go out there for a couple weeks. I'll stodge around at a couple different restaurants, see if I can drum up some job opportunities. So I saved up a bunch of money and spent two weeks out there stodging, you know, at Red and the restaurant Meadowood and all sorts of fun places. And kind of decided while I was out there, like, yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna move out here. And I had it was so I moved from living at my parents' house never having moved anywhere to just on my own. I drove out to California and started working out, out in the Bay Area. So I started at uh, Michael Chiarello's Bottega, and then I did Coqueta as well. So I would ferry from Napa to San Francisco during the week and kind of work at both of those restaurants for him. And then once I kind of had my bearings and I knew more about the area was when I decided, you know, I'm really going to regret it if I don't try and go for Thomas Keller restaurant group.
0: The chef's chef. The yes. chef's chef,
1: yeah. So, so that was kind of when I, you know, just I walked in there, and I really only wanted to do a stage at first. And they said, well, we don't do that. You have to come in and interview. And so I said, oh, my gosh, okay. <laughs> well, so I, di- I went for it, and, and it was it was a blast. It was a lot of fun. It was a really, really great opportunity Um, kind of unlike any other work environment I've ever been in, taught me a ton. Um, And during that time that I was at Bouchon, uh, Brian had kind of gotten a hold of me and had said, you know, that crazy, like, we always talked about ice cream after work at 801. I actually want to open an ice cream shop. So we talked for a long time. I mean, we talked for probably about a year while I was out there, just Mm kind of back and forth. And then I made the move back to Omaha for, for the shop, for Coneflower and ice cream had always been my favorite thing too. I think, yeah, like Brian kind of touched on the fact that you can do anything with it. I mean, you really have limitless opportunities. Um, You shouldn't do anything that you want (laughs) to do, but you can, it is possible. Lobster, ice cream.
2: I mean, you could do it. Yeah. (laughs) Sorry.
1: <laughs> True. Um so yeah, I mean it had always kind of it had just always spoken to me. It was always such a like a like everybody loves ice cream. It's this nostalgic thing and you know, it meant so much to me in my past and you know, it was we didn't get dessert very often growing up, but if we did, it was cookies and cream ice cream, blue bunny, that one dish after dinner. Mm-hmm. Um and so you know, ice cream was always Always something that I wanted to get back to. So when Brian called me up and he was ready to go, it was, it was tough to think about. I mean, I was in California, and I really kind of didn't have any plans on coming back so soon. I'd been out there for about three years. And, uh, but I just knew this isn't an opportunity that I want to miss out on. So I came back in 2016.
0: Okay, so I want to just real quick reverse back to before you moved out to California. You mentioned you guys were having discussions after work about opening an ice cream shop. This seems like a very unique circumstance in which, <laughs> in which the executive chef at you know uh, an upscale restaurant and his pastry chef are discussing you know ice cream parlor dreams after work. How did these discussions even start? I I think for me too, you know, since having been the pastry chef there, you know.
2: So, it's a classic steakhouse, New York style, right? So, you know, we had to have a giant piece of cheesecake on the menu. We had to have a giant piece of carrot cake, a flourless um, chocolate tort. Yep, of course. The classic flourless tort, the soufflé was the famous dessert at 801. Um, and so these things we knew we were going to make every day of the week. Um, but they had ice cream on the menu, and so we had generally four to six flavors. That that was our area to play with, if you you know, so to speak. We we were able launch. to yeah, you yeah could do do sure what you want. You could experiment because yeah. we would have a trio of this and yeah. a, or a trio of ice cream, trio of sorbet. Those should be changing, and they should be you know. They, and that's where I was just like, yes, uh, you know, popcorn ice cream with sriracha peanuts and blah blah blah, like, and so like. That's where I know for me, you know, we were like, this is where we can really show our creativity at this place. Um, and so I think, you know, those kind of uh, freedoms would get us going with like conversations about, oh, well, you know, we got this on the menu right now. What if we did this? Or I've got some, you know, really awesome, uh, whatever, some t- some fruit, you know, I got some pumpkins in to do For the savory side, but what if we did this for an ice cream? You know, like and I think those kind of conversations, you know, happened organically as we were planning Mm -hmm. and and talking about the menu and
1: Yeah, and you uh, know, we're we're making like great caramel sauces and hot fudges for the plated desserts at the restaurant. But it's like, well, why can't I go and get like a four buck a four dollar dish of ice cream with like an awesome hot fudge sauce? Like why is that so unusual to find. So, I think the idea of having just awesome food with quality ingredients at a really approachable price was really attractive to me. I liked the idea of kind of being able to reach the masses with with something like that.
2: And and like dessert, you know, coming up through the restaurants like we both did, it's like a lot of places think of dessert as an afterthought. It's like a necessary evil. Like, oh, we really care about the steaks and the mashed potatoes, but I guess we got to have something over here. for, and You know, like, we always got that vibe mm-hmm. no matter where we were that it was, you know, well, you make the desserts. Our work is over here. Um, but treating it with that same respect and that same, you know, quality uh, of, of technique and preparation and using all the amazing ingredients that we were able to, you know, starting to get from all these local farms, like it doesn't have to be an afterthought. It can be like
0: the reason why people are coming here, you know? Now it's, yeah. it's one thing to go from having these discussions and saying, Hey, wouldn't it be cool to, you know, have an ice cream shop where you can get a $4, you know, uh scoop, scoop of, or, Cup of ice cream and have the awesome hot fudge and everything. It's great to have those discussions. It's a whole nother to to call a former co-worker who's now living halfway across the country and ask her to come back. So, Brian, like, what... What inspired you to say, you know what? I'm going to make this happen. We should do this. This is the time. Like, what inspired you to make that call?
1: Yeah, because I never thought that he was serious. (laughs) I didn't think that. that, This was, yeah. Did you think
0: you were getting punked
1: or something (laughs) when you get the
2: call? I don't know if I thought it was serious either. (laughs) No. uh, You know, I had talked about it for a long time. And uh, it was basically, you know, I was working at 801. Loved it. um, Was very content where I was um and then they had decided to open a new concept and said you're the guy that's going to go open it so I was a little little apprehensive at first because like I said I was really happy doing what I was doing um but then as I kind of figured out okay this is the concept sounds really awesome um it's going to be more farm to table blah 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 which is what my passion was really starting to like develop and like as a chef um yeah, why are we getting this product from this national food restaurant provider that's um, traveling across the country when I can get, you know, asparagus here or, you know, so that's really where, um, you know, as a chef, I think we really want to be in a situation where we are using as much local as possible and you're having those connections with farmers. So... The idea then for this new concept was was becoming more and more exciting. And I went all in. We were doing all kinds of really cool stuff, working with a lot of farmers and producers, uh, bringing in, you know, every protein in the menu was from uh, somewhere in Nebraska or Iowa or South Dakota. You know, we were really doing some cool stuff. But along the way, um, there was a little disagreement with, you know, the owners because they were worried about, well, that pork chop from, you know, your local pork place is costing us too much. So let's go with the Cisco brand. And, you know, that chicken that you're getting from um, in Nebraska is, that's nice and all, but we can save costs, you know, if we do this. And anyway, it definitely became a point where uh, I was losing faith in, what we were trying to do. It was not a farm to table restaurant anymore. Um, and I think the feelings were, well, you're going to play by our rules. And so anyway, long story short, I decided to, um, get out of that. And it's funny, you know, the, the day that I decided I'm out, i am got to move on, uh, was National ice cream day <laughs> and you know I don't know about you guys, but you know sometimes in life you're you're searching for give me a sign anything um because I'm not sure if this is the right path you know and uh, when I kind of found out about that after the fact that kind of yep, I'm out of here and make this decision, it was like, oh thank you for that um that message uh and that, yes, I am on the right path uh and so Anyway, I found myself uh, without a job, without a sure path of where I wanted to go. And my wife, Josie, said, you know, you are talking about this ice cream thing all the time. And uh, I'm kind of sick of hearing it. And if you're going to do it, this is the only time. You know, I mean, you got to do it if you're going to do it um, or you're going to regret it. And so then I started. I was like, yeah, that's pretty much what i was thinking so you know from that point on it was like this is what i have to do this is my goal this is uh uh, we need to bring this what's in our minds into reality and find the find the right spot um and we were kind of hanging out at a little coffee shop archetype coffee at the time where she said hey this cool shop, you got to go check it out. I'm like, yeah, yeah, okay, it's coffee, whatever. And I was like blown away. I was like, this is amazing. And then while I'm in this neighborhood of what's becoming Blackstone, I'm looking around and I'm like, if I were going to do this ice cream shop, this is the, in Omaha, this is the only place I would want to do it. And sure enough, there was a, a little bay there that was empty. And basically at that point, I was like, this this is meant to be. We got to do it.
0: Uh, All the I signs was, are lighting like, up. Yeah, it, and
1: yeah. Blackstone had kind of started erupting while I was gone, mm-hmm. and so yeah. <laughs> he was like, "I want to do it on 40th and Farnham." And <laughs> You're like, like, "Where?" You're like, "Why?"
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
2: wasn't that abandoned but, not too yeah. long ago, right? <laughs>
1: but That's, you know, when when it, you know we got there, when I got there, and Night Owl's there, and archetype.
2: And Noly's was yeah. was doing Mula their thing. established there. Uh, yeah. Sullivan's had moved mm-hmm. over and took over that corner bar, and they had really cleaned it up, and and they were doing awesome. And so
0: it was like, yeah, yeah. Mula cool. that makes sense. Like, Probably about when Sternella moved in, somewhere around that. Maybe, maybe. they were a they little were after after us. Us. Okay. but yeah. okay. shortly after, they they were
2: um, and the building where. Well, is it the Butterfish building? Yep. That was not even there. Right. When we it was just a that's hill. Crazy. So <laughs> there was nothing there. Yep. Um and we're like, "Yeah, I th- I think there's some momentum here. The there's a lot happening and there's more to come. So, I think the time is now if we get in here." Um Yeah, that's how we settled on that spot. And Katie was, yeah, like she said, a little apprehensive, but I assured her once you see this, what's happening down here, you'll, 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 you'll see what I see. And
0: yeah. yeah. So as you, Katie, as you come back and as you start to develop what coneflower is going to become, was it everything that you guys had hoped it would be originally this place where you're just getting to really highlight ice cream, highlight dessert, highlight hyper seasonal ingredients? Was it just like immediately just like, yes, this is it?
1: Yes and no. I mean, we, you know, as with any construction project, I came back and I'm, we're ready to go. And then it's like, oh, well, there's a couple more months of, you know, construction <laughs> that needs to happen. Um, and, and then, you know, there's just all the, the general stress of like the nitty gritty of opening a place. But absolutely, it was right from the beginning. We We knew what we wanted to do and we didn't have any excuse to compromise on that. You know there was nobody telling us, oh well, I don't I don't know if that's going to be cost effective or I don't know, you know. And and so we were able to just go ahead and do it, which was super exciting.
2: Um. Yeah, yeah. If we want to get all our dairy from Nebraska. We're going to yeah. do that, you know, and that was something really important to us that we made those relationships right from the start. It's like you know, the best ingredients are going to make the best ice cream. So let's do it and let people see for themselves, you know.
1: Um, I really didn't have any, I was not thinking even six months ahead. So I didn't have any expectations as to what was going to happen. And I was alone in the kitchen when we started. It was, well, we thought
2: it was going to be the two of us, you know, I'll scoop, you go make it once in a while. We'll eat cinnamon rolls in the morning. We'll read the (laughs) newspaper. Yeah, Um, we wanted to, yep.
1: We wanted to have a little morning, like, you know, we'll ease into it.
2: Yeah, we'll we'll ease into our day and you know mm-hmm. this is what we're going to do and you know we'll we'll be doing it um we we didn't know we were going to hire employees, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> we didn't, we didn't <laughs> think about <it. laughs> We didn't realize we were so, going to need a little help yeah. uh, as we got busy. Uh so yeah.
1: And even you know even when we started we had five um you know college students yep. that kind of came alongside us and and worked out front. And, and eventually I had to pull some of them back to work in the kitchen with me. And, and, you know, it just kind of grew and grew, but um, it's kind of been crazy to look back on and think like, what was I thinking was going to happen? (laughs) I I didn't have a plan. I didn't, it was really just one foot in front of the other for, for a while there. Right. Yeah.
0: So, you know, you kind of talked about how Blackstone was clearly developing, but it wasn't yet what it has become, you know, kind of this this trendy hotspot, like, what was the initial reception when you guys opened the doors for the first time? Were were people excited? Did they not really understand? Like, were they, oh, what is this place? Like, what was the initial reception?
1: People were curious for a long time because, like I said, I mean, it was a delayed project.
2: Right, and and we had had the, the painting, the you know, the sign up, yeah. was up yeah. for a while. And so I think that ultimately kind of benefited us because people were looking at, like, well, it says it's coming, but it's not here yet. You know, what is taking so long? Summer's so, uh, almost yeah. over here. <laughs> <laughs> when it finally did open, it was just like, open the floodgates. Let's go check out this place. Uh, and it, we had,
1: we had <laughs> a, our opening. It was like a soft opening. Um, we thought, oh, you know, we'll invite a couple of our friends and family and but this shop is so small that we couldn't lock them in or, you know, couldn't keep the public out. So it just turned into a normal opening. <laughs> yeah, I mean, the like line was line. Down Like, I don't
2: know this person, but they just hopped in. Like, oh, yeah. I'm so glad you're open, you know, and uh, like, let's just go with it. And, and it was
1: so busy. And I remember getting to the end of the night and I was like, oh, we did it. <laughs> and it dawned on me right then, like, Oh, like we have to do this again tomorrow. Like, we're open. This is <laughs> this reality is like now. Yeah. And we're out
0: of now. ice cream. <laughs> 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 so right. We just sold was, everything. Oh, yeah. man.
1: We really didn't, did not know what we were getting into. Yeah.
0: I think. But the public took to it right away. I, yeah. yeah.
2: I think people always ask, like, did you know it was going to be so popular? And I, I always say, like, I, I thought it would be very well received if we could put into action what we had always kind of had in our heads and the, you know, the ideas we already talked, we always always talked about, but I didn't know it happened so quickly. Like basically right out of the gate, it was like this demand and this, uh, the lines were starting.
1: And I think we had this idea too, that like, oh, well, you know, summer will be our time. And then in the winter, We'll kind of have a break, i mean we mm-hmm. we you know weren't going to close or anything, but we assumed oh, it's gonna be so slow and and it really kind of has has proven to be a year round operation, mm-hmm. uh, which is it's obviously a lot busier in the summer, but we are you know winter you do know, we don't get to slow down too much either, so
0: at what point, as you look back on it now, did you know that you had something special on your hands, like you moved from we've got this concept that we really like. We think the public's really going to like it to, Oh man, like this is like the premier ice cream spot in Omaha. This is, this is what we wanted it to be. What point did you know you'd gotten there? Or maybe you're not there yet. I guess I'll I'll just leave it open to you. There's a moment.
2: There was a moment when I was scooping where I felt like we're going to be okay. You know, (laughs) we're going to make it um, where it was just like, the line out the door I could see it curving around and past the window into the oblivion like I had no idea how far it stretched there's three people scooping you know we got the music playing people are loud and they're sampling and I looked around I just had to kind of detach for a moment just be like this is really happening <laughs> and these people are loving it and I'm loving it and we're having so much fun. Um, I think when we realized that it was was an
1: experience for people, Mm, that -hmm. that the whole thing, we could create something that was fun the whole way through. So, yeah, the record player and, you know, we wanted to be kind of a, a party yeah, Brighton. we always
2: talked about like make you know making it fun. Waiting in line, yeah. like nobody likes to wait in line. But if you go to Comflower, that's different. You're going to meet people. You're going <laughs> to see what's going on. Wow, these people are working and and they're having fun. What, what kind of place is this? It's like Twilight Zone. Like, you know, <laughs> it's like, why are they having such a good time in there? Uh, they're so busy and 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 that's kind of the environment we want and the culture that we try to create there. But I don't know it. The, sh- the TV show kind of helped, too. Uh, we yes. So, literally, like, the first week we were open, um, I come in the door, and Katie's like, oh, there's somebody on the phone uh, about t- talking about, like, some TV show. And they I'm want like, us to
1: come on, and I don't even know how like, they heard I don't about know us. What we opened, is. like, three days ago. <laughs> <laughs>
2: but, um, yeah, and so that was the, it was called Cheap Eats. It was, mm-hmm. uh, Ali Khan was the host, and yeah, they wanted us to be on and, and make our a flavor that was getting a lot of hype, the butter brickle, And, um, so that kind of, I think opened us up to a whole nother level of like, you know, we had people from Kansas city coming in like, oh, that's our favorite show. And we had to come here and this is amazing. And, um,
1: and we still get people that, you know, they'll see the rerun and they'll come mm-hmm. in or stop, um, you know, we're, we've kind of forget that Omaha is right on I-80. So people that are just kind of going, passing through, they, you know, if they look us up on Yelp, they'll stop in and let us know they're from out of town. And
0: Yeah. Okay. Now you guys have given me a lot of time. I'm very grateful for it. I need to be respectful of your time and and, and let you go. But there's one last thing that I need to ask you here. And, that is just kind of looking back and we talked a lot about your varied careers you know the travels that you've had, you know neither one of you originally intended to get into food and you did you worked in savory like there's so many different parts of your backgrounds that don't really seem to fit into ice cream sh- ice cream shop owner and yet here you are like when you look back, how did all those different experiences, and things from your background kind of combine to form Coneflower and the ethos that it has today. What? Sorry, that's a really weedy no. question. <laughs> <laughs> well, and like you described, I think
2: what makes it special is that it really is the culmination of you know my life's journey and and Katie. I think you can speak for yourself too that it's something like that as well. I know like. For me, uh, every, every step along the way, when I thought I was maybe wasting my time or I don't know if this is the right fit for me, um, I was learning and I was creating kind of who I became. And it it was all part of this journey that led me to Comflower and like, um, the fact that I had worked and, you know, where I did and had traveled where I traveled and, uh, all those experiences I I think helped make what conflour ultimately became and they wouldn't it wouldn't be the same if I guess I didn't go through those struggles and uh and that journey, that path, you know. And I, we always joke that like I don't I never worked in an ice cream shop. I'd worked in tons yeah. of restaurants, but I mean, we just were chefs literally that wanted to make ice cream and let's do it, you
1: know. Yeah. And I think when you're you visit or you work in enough kitchens with all sorts of different ethos, you kind of start to think about, okay, well, what do I, what do I want to do every day, day in and day out? What kind of environment do I want to, to be in? And we were, I mean, we were fortunate enough to be able to kind of piece that together and create that. I know that for me, it was super exciting and, and, um, one of the driving forces was just the fact that we were able to work with the same farms and the same purveyors that all the best restaurants in town work with. And, and we get to, again, kind of going back to that accessibility, you know, you can come and have a, you know, $5 experience with the same types of ingredients that you'd have a $150 meal with. And obviously they are two different things, but, you know, just being able to kind of, cross boundaries and do something different in Omaha I think just is still kind of a driving force for for me so
2: yeah it's it's really been humbling and um you know we we've been mentioned with you know we started getting you know lumped in with like amazing rest like restaurants that we look up to that yeah. we love to eat you know all current and the boiler room and like just because of the ethos and the attitudes that we were bringing to ice cream and, you know, having Sarah Baker Hansen include us on a, a list of top restaurants and, you know, it's flattering, but, and, but rewarding at the same time. Cause I think that's how we want people to see us is not an afterthought, but a place to get a real culinary experience and, and, uh, it's, it's good food,
0: you know, mm-hmm. not just good dessert. So. Well, I think anyone that walks by or drives by Coneflower and sees the line out the door, or if they just have one bite of cookies and cream, ice cream, or whatever flavor they want, they know Coneflower is not an afterthought. It is something special. And I thank you guys not only for, for giving me the time today to come on and, and talk about it and kind of describe it, but but also just for working so hard to, to create this thing. Like, it would be... The things that you guys have described, it would be very easy for you to cut corners. It would be very easy for you to say, strawberry is a bestseller. Let's just import strawberries. It's not going to be exactly what we want, but it'll be 85% of the way there and people will buy it like crazy. But you don't do that. Mm -hmm. You go that extra step. And I think that's something that makes this place very special. And I just want to thank you for the dedication to your craft and for making something that I think is really special in Omaha.
2: Well, thank you. Yeah, thank, thank you, you, you so you. much. Mm-hmm. We appreciate it.
1: Yes. Thanks for what you do, too.
0: I just sit here on a yeah, microphone and, awesome. and <laughs> ask people questions. I don't do anything interesting. You, you share all have those <laughs> stories. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, we love it. Well, thank you very much, guys, for coming on. This has been a real pleasure. And Omaha, as always, thanks for eating with us.
2: A Media Production.